Buongiorno mondo, and welcome back to 15 with Fosca, the podcast. Today, I'll be continuing my earlier conversation with Lee Biddlecomb, a former student of mine, Stanford alumna, and a writer, translator, and curator based here in Italy. So without further ado, let's get right into it. Grazie mille e buona ascolta a tutti. Because it's an easy place. I think it's an easy place to live, and I think it's also a welcoming place because it is so international. Um, yeah, I want to go back to you and it's funny because when I introduced you and your bio, you, you say that you've called all these places home, but you, you don't list Florence. And so I find this a little troubling. Um, and so I just want to know why you don't list Florence among those places. And if you're here for the long haul, if you're just going to maybe think, well, I'll move somewhere else or I'll stay in Florence while it lasts or... Mm, this is a very uh, critical current yeah. question. I would say I'm in Italy for the long haul. I'm in Europe for the long haul. I always knew that I wanted to live in Europe as an adult and that's mostly where I've been for the last 15 years. Italy, I'm committed to. Florence, I do have some ambivalence about and... It's partly because, again, like I said, I didn't choose specifically to come here uh, on my own. I came because I needed a place to stay during the pandemic. And my aunt lives here and she kindly allowed me to use her house during the last year of the pandemic. So I think I've had a bit of a back and forth love-hate relationship with the city, partially because I do find the sheer number of tourists that come in the summer overwhelming. So if you live in the center, you have to be willing to put up with what that means in terms of your daily life to get to and from places. Absolutely. The sheer numbers of people. If you live outside, I was just looking at an apartment yesterday that's outside the city walls, gorgeous garden behind it. The Boboli Gardens are just behind. My neighborhood. It's your neighborhood. And it's beautiful and it's calm and it's locals that live there. And I thought, ah, this is what I love about Italy. This is what I miss. And where I live, I walk out the door and all I hear is English and French and German. Mm -hmm. And that can be fun for a little while. But longer term, I think if I'm staying here, it's going to be to live outside. Um, I also have this deep love for Rome. And so the reason I don't put Florence on my bio is because I think part of me is still wondering whether I should... Hmm. But then, but what about Naples? You've written a lot about Naples. Um, you and I have a shared love for Naples, which is not a city that everyone understands. But you've also written extensively about food and the food culture in Italy, um, especially in Naples, but not only. So can we talk a little bit about your food writing? Let's talk a little bit about food. Okay. I mean, food, this is partially why I'm here. It should be. It's actually a big part of why everyone's here. Let's all be honest. Yeah. I mean, food people just... that don't aren't interested in food in Italy, I sort of wonder why they're here. I mean, not not say that you have to, but uh, no, I really, I think like the food culture, the coffee culture, the sort of appreciation of wine, the fact that food in Italy is something that's considered to be for everyone, like really high quality, good food is not only in the realm of someone who is in the top 1% of it. Right. Everyone has access to an incredible coffee in the morning and, you know, a really nice glass of wine. Mm -hmm. um, and I don't want to get too precious about that because I think you can go down the realm of, like, you know, over-fetishization of food. But I, I have written about it because I think it's something that it's not just the act of consumption. It's, like, the social life that is surrounding food and the social customs that go with meals and right. preparation and the relationships that you have with producers and 
the relationships you have with the guy who sells you your fava beans. Yeah, no, it's true. <laughs> and that's the part that I really love. And um, and so I think that in the South, in, in Naples, obviously it's a totally different food tradition. Um, every region in Italy has its own thing. And Naples for me was like this great unveiling of what Southern Italy um, can be and what it feels like. And so I, I still have this like deep, deep tie to Naples from the years that I, that I spent there. And I go back to the South whenever I can. I was recently in Sicily and felt that same like rush of, oh, this is what I love about this country. So right. that kind of openness and this sort of almost embarrassing hospitality which so warm yeah this kind of warmth that you know it's very I think this sort of is a nice segue into a conversation about sort of finding a community here it's quite evident to me that you found a community of creatives and um, you and I are part of that community we have various friends in common we're also doing a lot of just related work um, some together and some with other collaborators. So it's obvious that you found this nice community of like-minded, you know, creatives in Florence. But can we talk a little more about community, finding real connections, finding those real friendships? I mean, how hard or how easy has that been for you in the past couple of years that you've been in Florence? Yeah, I think... I mean, the truthful answer is that it's been hard. I think it's been actually one of the harder transitions I've made, and I've lived in a lot of places. It was made harder by the fact that it was the pandemic when yeah. it showed up, and we were in pretty strict lockdowns here in Italy. It was bad, I remember. So it wasn't like you just randomly walk up to a bar and start chatting with potential new friends. Um, so I got lucky in that I got um, a connection sort of randomly through my grandmother, to a friend here whose grandfather lived in the same retirement community as my grandmother in Florida. And this friend helped kind of create new friendships through the people that she already knew. So I think that, and then another thing that happened was a Roman friend of mine who lives in the U.S., but who I met in London. She had studied here in Florence when she was in her early 20s. And when she said to me, you know what, I think I think I should introduce you to a couple friends. Yeah. And when that happened, then all of a sudden through yeah. those people, I've started to meet other people as well. And it's not necessarily work related or project related. It's just people that I've managed to meet who then maybe will ultimately become collaborators in some way. But I think it's just been super sort of slow. And it's also maybe partially my age. A lot of people have kids. They're busy with their lives already. And so the sort of spontaneity that you might have in your 20s when you arrive in a new place. Yeah is a little bit harder. But I think the thing here with Florence is that a lot of Florentines stick with the friends that they made when they were in high school. So to find a Florentine that's interested in becoming friends with you is um is an is a difficult task, but but it's also you know that once you've found someone and they have opened up to you that it's a real thing. Mm -hmm. It's not a superficial connection. Exactly. And I think that's the the difference with potentially sort of bunch of like fly by night kind of friendships. Absolutely. So I think that you probably have experienced that. Yeah. To to a to a to a great degree, I would say. But I think you you touched on something that's really so vital, which is sort of the idea of having that connector, right? And you and I both are people who network a lot. We tend to meet people very randomly and I'm sure you'll tell me about one of your many random encounters that you have out in the world but um, 
it isn't easy here, but if I think in Italy in general, maybe even in the world in general, but especially here in Italian society and especially here in Florence, I do think that if you have someone who brings you in, it kind of gives you legitimacy. And so if I say, oh, this is Lee, I'm, you know, I'm introducing you to Lee. Then that person's going to be like, well, if, you know, if Fosca says it's okay, she's okay. Well, then let's welcome her into our community. Everything in this country. I mean, everything is so relationally based. Absolutely. You can't just jump into a work conversation with someone. You have to have a half hour chit chat, getting like a sort of warming up Mm -hmm. conversation. Even the guy who came to paint my ceiling recently wanted to have a half hour chat before he started painting the ceiling right like that's just normal and so you build in time to your day right to make those sort of things happen so that actually sort of begs another question for me and maybe it is in a way a partial answer to the question that we that we are asking ourselves right now why Florence right now why is it so hot and maybe this is more Italy in general but perhaps it is that humanity you know, we're we're living in a, a strange time, you know, um, in the world. And I think that the sort of honest search for um, for a little more human contact um, is something that maybe is bringing Americans over to a place like Florence. It's a small city. You mentioned it's easy to have sort of interactions fairly easily, but also just spontaneous conversations that, you know, when you go to get your morning coffee or when you're, you know, just walking around the market. And in the United States, I mean, if you're living in a city, that happens to a certain degree, depending on you and and a number of other things. But I think there is a kind of isolation in the United States and that here is very hard to find. There is, you know, a sense of family in Italy that's still quite strong, even though, we should probably have another episode where we talk about certain family Italian bodies, right? And and a lot of maybe the misconceptions that Americans certainly have about what like the Italian family looks like today, because it doesn't look like maybe what yeah. we would imagine it looks like. But I'm finding that maybe what we all are looking for is just a little more human connection. Mm-hmm. The world you and I went to a talk a couple of weeks ago at Stanford, um, which was frightening. Um, and I think we're all scared of things like AI and the way the world, I mean, I'm not against it's an aspect, right? What AI I, might I'm be. very pro technology. I'm extremely pro science. Um, I'm actually also pro AI, but, um, you know, this conversation was specifically about an ethical code, but I would, mm-hmm. what, what that conversation sort of made me reflect upon was that need for human connection. And I think that Italy, in addition to giving you the beauty can also still give you that human connection. So exactly. No, that's why that's a big reason of why I'm here. I think that, you know, I have spent time in other places. I don't want to badmouth the Netherlands, but I, I spent four months in the Netherlands last year and I came back. And part of it was because I missed these daily interactions with people. And I think what we haven't talked about, but is so important that's underlying all of this is language. And I'm really grateful that I that I speak Italian well enough that I can have these kinds of little chit chat moments throughout my day. And I think I do want like people that are coming into the country to make an effort to learn the language. And that's something I feel really strongly about is like, you know, if you're going to choose to make your life here, then 
then start, you know, picking up. And people are so forgiving of mistakes, of, you know, forgetting a word, just let it go, you know, <laughs> and just start practicing. And I think that's cre like I would not have been invited to the birthday party I got invited to a couple weekends ago out in the countryside if I hadn't spoke Italian, because I'm pretty sure that the the person who invited me probably would have felt a little bit awkward about sure. inviting me to yes. this, this party. And so that's not to say that you won't be invited to things if you don't speak Italian, but I do think it opens up new worlds that you might not otherwise have access to. Absolutely. And I also think that you, you touch on a, something important, which is that Italians are often so appreciative that you're trying to speak their language or that you're studying their language that they are extremely forgiving and understanding and and even just impressed that you actually, you know, know a few words. So that's an, a piece of advice that I, I always gave students coming over to Florence. You know, if you can even just get a little bit of Italian study under your belt, just a few words will go a long way. Um, it's hard right now in a city like Florence, though. And so I'm, you know, I, I joke with people that the other day I, I was, you know, I only heard English on the streets. And so this, you know, it is high season now, but it's it's a bit problematic if, for example, you're coming, if, if I have a client who says to me, oh, I want to come to Italy and my main goal is to perfect my Italian, I, I might be hard pressed to recommend Florence at that point. But I could recommend Florence, but say, try to live in a neighborhood, try to live outside. Exactly. Because everything changes. And it's funny. It's almost like I pass by a certain point on my walk home. And you know this because you and I, it's we, we walk this way together. And, you know, you walk past Piazza Pitti and you get a little further past. And then once you're sort of about halfway on to Via Romana, everyone disappears. Yeah. And you just see, you know, locals and shop owners and all your interactions are in Italian. So Florence, I think something that is very impressive is what's going on now also in terms of sort of and impressive. I mean, it's a problematic term. It's, it's something we would need to go back to. But there's been a lot of urban change right now. And so you mentioned Manifattura Tabacchi, which is this hub of creativity. It's a former industrial space. There's a lot of development going on in Florence right now. It's also really hard to find housing. It's almost impossible to find <laughs> housing right now. Partly because of the investment that's coming in from outside. I mean, and I don't want to like sort of like skirt around this because I think it's really important mm -hmm. for people to know, like if you are going to come and invest in property here, like recognize what your responsibilities are to the community and recognize what it is that you need to then create in order to sort of not justify your investment, so to speak, but to sort of think about, okay, like what are the consequences of my coming here and how can I give back to a community that you know, frankly, the average Italian my age can't afford to buy a house in the center anymore because of the prices. Right. And I think that partly there's going to have to be like a government and a city led solution mm -hmm. to what's happening with housing. Oh, absolutely. And then there's also going to have to be sort of some maybe change of mindset and how it's currently going. Yeah. And I also think because in Italian culture, there's this notion that no matter what your family will always be there, sort of mm -hmm. the safety net. So it's fairly typical that, you know, you'll stay with your family until you're in a position, whether professionally or personally, where you can sort of go out on your own. And that doesn't mean that there are no, you know, Italians, young Italians out in the world not living with their families. But the sort of safety net of the family also, once you do have children, 
is something that certainly doesn't exist in, in our mentality um, in the United States, just because we have much more mobility, I think, um, in general. But I like what you say about sort of having a sense of responsibility um, when you decide, when you make a decision to to move to a new country, you know, to ask yourself, well, what am I going to be? How can I contribute? But also, how can I not um, add to um, this sort of over tourism that Florence is experiencing? And Florence is certainly not the only place in the world. Um, but how can sort of how can we be responsible citizens? And Florence has been making a very concerted effort. The mayor is very committed to sustainability, alternate you know, methods of transportation. There's a lot of attention paid to sort of, you know, the greening of Florence or the greenifying of Florence. But the, but I wonder sometimes how much attention is paid to the needs of the residents, mm -hmm. you know, whether they be, it doesn't matter where they're from, residents or residents. Yeah. Um, and so I do think that you're right. This is a tipping point. It's either, you know, Florence either shines and shows that she's, you know, a city of the future or um, just, you know, joins the ranks of the many sort of over-visited cities of the world, um, which is much more difficult in a place like Florence. Um, we're smaller. We're smaller, right? So compared to, you know, look at Paris. Paris is, is big. There are boulevards. There's space. Um, in Florence, I mean, I was driving over the weekend um, down in Southern Tuscany and there are, you know, two-way roads that, I mean, you just, I mean, yeah. they're not two-way roads. There's no way they can be two-way roads. And it was like a constant game of chicken. Oh, like, who's going to go in the ditch? Yeah. Like you or me, okay? I th I'd rather you go in the ditch. But anyway, so there's this whole different, you know, sense as well of space. And, and there isn't a lot of space. And obviously, there isn't a lot of new construction in a city like Lawrence. So obviously, housing prices and things like that are high. But there's a lot of change. And I think change is exciting. And I think um, what's going on right now in Florence is super, super exciting. Um, I think we're getting to the end of our, our time and so I guess um, my final question would be if you have a question for me. I mean, it's Ask Fosta. And so why don't we turn the tables? And is there something that you want to ask me or that you wish you had asked me before you had come to Italy for the first time? I think it's so funny because I probably asked you tons of questions 15 years ago when I arrived here. I don't remember do anything. But I think that I would have asked you on this most recent one would have been to ask, like, how do you sort of mentally deal with the change of seasons? Like when the tourist season comes on, like what changes in your mindset that like allows you to sort of ride through those four or five months in a way that is like sustainable? Um, that's a really interesting question because up until now it was less of an issue because I was locked in an office all day, right? And so I really, you know, I would leave early in the morning and I would come home fairly late in, you know, the evening. And so it was manageable. And now I'm finding since I'm running around all over town to appointments that I have to, like, I have to account for at least an extra 10 to 15 yeah. minutes um, to get through the tourists. Um but other than that, I think it's actually, it's something I would tell the students all the time. And it's something I probably told you, which was like, don't take the Ponte Vecchio, you know, take Ponte Le Grazie. Everyone takes Ponte Vecchio. It's just a question of, you know, taking a different, changing your, right, changing, just, you know, mixing it up a little. 
And I have to say that I don't know if there's any down season anymore in Florence. I'm actually curious to see what happens this year. This year, because I've seen a boom. I mean, we've been seeing a constant boom since summer 2022. Yeah. Um, we're in summer. We're just starting. We haven't even started the summer season yet. So I'm curious to see what happens. Maybe you'll come back um, in the fall and we'll have another conversation about it. I kind of just accepted it. And I think you do, as you were saying before, I mean, the way I deal with it is that, you know, I live in a neighborhood where I can completely isolate myself um, and I can find the kind of peace that I need. I used to live right in the heart of the downtown, which was noisy and also tempting at the same time. So now when I go home, it's sort of like my quiet space and I can, it's my, you know, it's my home. But then also when I go out into the neighborhood, I know I'm not going to have to sort of wait on a line for 10 minutes to get, no, 10 minutes, an hour probably to get a panino or something. It just, it, it doesn't have to happen. So I think the best way is, and I think there is, and this, this, is a really good question for maybe the, our next, if you'll come back, and I hope you will. Okay, thank you. But sort of, can one still find authenticity in Florence, Lee? <laughs> good question. Uh, you know that I've written a lot about authenticity. Mm -hmm. I think it's possible to find, absolutely. Um, it just requires a broader uh, lens than what you might otherwise have. Okay. Well, thank you so much for coming today and, and chatting with me. And I hope that um, our listeners enjoyed this conversation. And I, I hope Lee will come back to talk with us again. So thank you. Grazie mille. And um, remember, if you have any suggestions for future topics, you can DM me or um, you know send me an email and let me know what you would like to hear us talk about on 15 with Fosca. Grazie mille, grazie vostra. I wanted to thank everyone for taking the time to tune in to the first five episodes of my new podcast, 15 with Fosca. It has been a lot of fun uh, recording these first episodes. We'll be taking a little hiatus for Ferragosto, which is the sacred Italian summer holiday um, on the 15th of August. So we're gonna take two weeks off and we'll be back with a new episode on September 1st. Grazie mille e buon ferragosto a tutti.